We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me, as always, at Statsman22. Joining me, as usual, is my partner in crime, John McKechnie, who's a busy guy and a great follow, at Johnny McKex. I think we're both a little fired up this week, John, about going head-to-head finally in the Rotowire Staff Vegas League this weekend. I know I am, for sure. How about you, buddy? Uh, my team's always ready. I took down Chris List pretty hard last week, so, you know, I got a, got a lot of momentum. The team feeling good after a nice team win. Uh, I think we're going to be able to carry that momentum, even though we are facing uh, what is technically the best team in the league uh, thus far in, in the Mr. Bruno squad. <laughs> well, my team is on fire, but I, I wouldn't say it's the best team just yet. Let's say that if it was a song, a music chart with the top 30, my, maybe my team would have the, the arrow pointing straight up, but sharper than anybody else at the moment. Fair enough. But like uh, we'll We'll uh, take each other's best shots on them over the weekend, and I'm sure we'll have fun. It's not the first time we've gone head-to-head. We talked a little bit of it during the baseball season about our respective clubs, and I won that battle, I guess. It uh. was a, a mini battle, but it didn't amount for anything because the Jays didn't win the championship. So a mini win, I'll call it. Fair uh, enough. John, it's Friday, and that means that you and I get to put a bow on uh, Rotowire's weekly series of position-based pods where we will take a look at the kicker options and then come up with the best recommendations that we have for full FanDuel lineups as you and I share our top picks at each position. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this week's games too. But first, let's take a look at last night's NFL uh, Classic on Thursday night. What were your impressions of the Ravens-Browns game last night, John? Well, as a Ravens fan, I've I've gone on on the podcast here several times and other podcasts and and been extremely pessimistic about about this Ravens team. But uh, 
There were, there were signs of life last night a little bit. It looked like Bashad Perriman starting to come on a little bit. He had a really nice adjustment in the end zone to, for a touchdown. Uh, you know, it looked like Flacco, uh, after, the, after the first half of just sort of uh, head-scratching interception, seemed to buckle down a little bit in the second half, made some nice throws. Uh, Terrence West seems to be a, a guy that has been a very vi- valuable pickup as well. Um, and on the, on the Brown side of things, you know, what can you say? You're... You're 0-9 at this point, and uh, things just aren't really looking uh, up in any one direction. There's no good thing that you can point to where you're like, okay, this is this is going to be great going forward, except maybe a, a Terrell Pryor type. John, there's no truth to the rumor that Rotowire is canvassing staffers to challenge Cleveland in a head, to a head-to-head battle, say, on a Tuesday of an upcoming week to see if we can <laughs> shake them up a little bit. <laughs> on a Tuesday, yeah. yeah. I think they would they would try to play us, and I think, you know, that would get them a win that they need to kind of get their spirits lifted again because uh, they certainly need a, a W right now. Yeah, well, as far as my thoughts on the Thursday tilt, I'm going to lean on the stats side of things just to say, show what kind of a disparity it really was. The Ravens, the first time I checked my phone to see the score, though, the Ravens were behind in this game, but the Browns really did next to nothing all night long. There are two quarterbacks... Each threw for less than 100 yards. The running game accounted for only 33 yards on 13 carries. For the Ravens, I was happy to see the old man, Steve Smith, lead the attack on offense in the passing game with five catches for 60 yards and a TD, because I called that in the DFS pod earlier, highlighting receivers. So that made me look good. And uh, and, uh, as far as Flacco, he spread the ball to nine different receivers for a total of 30 completions for 296 yards and three TDs on 41 pass attempts. That's what happens when you got the game well in hand, I suppose, though he did have those two picks on his ledger. This was a real easy win and another bad Thursday night game. We've seen a succession of them, John. It's a good one for me, though, finally. Yeah, I think you got to be pleased when your club uh, has a walkover like mine did a couple of weeks ago against these same Brownies. It's a dreadful club. I don't see them winning the game this year. Uh, let's look around the league, though, John, at some, other, some of the other headlines. I want to talk a bit about my club off the top. Tony Romo's inching closer to a return for Dallas. He's actually quarterbacking the scout team this week and uh, really ripping into his uh, receivers in terms of throwing the ball really hard. They're all saying, oh, he's got the touchback and he's really throwing missiles, so he looks like he's ready to go. When does he play if John McKechnie is his head coach, John? Geez, I mean, this is really one of the one of the biggest questions of this entire NFL season is, you know, do you mess with that momentum that Prescott has built over the last, you know, nine weeks of the season? He's been unbelievable for a rookie, and it really seems like uh, the Cowboys are starting to click. They've scored 28 or more points in four straight games. It, he's, you know, kind of leading the charge there, him and Zeke, uh, just a couple of uh, just unbelievable rookies. So... You know, you look at a guy like Romo, and I feel like Cowboys fans, uh, maybe you included, uh, they always kind of bemoan Tony Romo at the, at the end of the day. They're, they're, you know, they, they like the numbers that he's able to put up in the regular season, but they don't like what he's able to do in the postseason for the most part. Do you really need to bring him back in? I mean, I, I guess, you know, contractually you kind of have to if you're paying the guy that much money. Um do you put him in against the Steelers? Like, is he physically ready? I don't think so. No. Uh, maybe ease him into action against the Ravens next week. I think that would be that would probably be the most amicable solution. Oh, I sure, I'm sure you'd love to see that. And then he throws four picks, and then you then you <laughs> rake me all over the coals. That's that's pretty nice, John. <laughs> uh, there's another marquee matchup though. On maybe the biggest game on the weekend is the Seahawks yeah. visiting New England. Um, I have my thoughts on this one. I, I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'll chime in. 
Well, I was I would feel better about the Seahawks being able to to go into New England and and, and do the thing. Had they not just sort of gotten exposed a little bit by Buffalo on Monday night, so they're going to be on a short week. They're heading east. Obviously, uh, it's it's better for them than playing a one o'clock game out in New England uh, on a Sunday as opposed to a you know national TV uh, night game on a Monday. But I still think that New England coming off a bye here is going to be able to get it done. I, I, I don't see a situation where New England isn't able to kind of hold that uh, Seahawks uh, offense in check just because Belichick has had two weeks to prepare, and that, that's just a scary proposition to me. And then no one can no one can like truly slow down the New England offense. This game has uh, the bad guys against the good guys, uh, really, for me. And I, you, I like the Seattle to play the role of the good guys here. Uh, and, and one of the few that think the Seattle's the good guys. Yeah, I'm gonna, just because I know I can't stand the Patriots and the fact that they've kind of cheated their way to a couple of championships, in my estimation. And uh, they, they seem to be just on this side of the, the law and the rules in the NFL all the time. Kind of just puts a bit of a uh, a bit of a hash mark against some of the achievements that they do they have made in my estimation in any case and I I, I like some of the skilled players on the Seahawks uh, I have a lot of regard for Russell Wilson as a guy who can beat you with his feet as well as his uh, his arm and then uh, the rise of Jimmy Graham to the ranks of through the ranks of the tight ends he's he's now at the top of the list for me. And it's been great to see him come back like that. Remarkable game last week. I'll have much more to say about it later in the show. So I'm hoping with my heart, I guess, uh, over my head that the Seahawks do prevail. And I'd like nothing better this weekend, except for sure another Cowboys victory. Uh, last week, speaking of the Seahawks, John, Richard Sherman got away with a big hit on the Buffalo place kicker on a field goal attempt. He didn't get a penalty in the game, which seemed obvious to me at the time. He did get a fine this past week for $9,000. Big deal. Not enough, I say. What is it? What if it was Goskowski this weekend that gets steamrolled by Sherman? What does the NFL do in that circumstance? And, and further to that, what does this all say about NFL, NFL officiating right now, John? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing new that the officiating has been lackluster uh, to this point in the season. I think last week's uh, just sort of debacle towards the end of the first half in that Seattle-Buffalo game uh, sort of highlighted just how inept this officiating uh, crew across the league has been this year. So, uh, you know, for a guy like Richard Sherman to be able to, to jump offside and just dive at a knee and effectively knock the kicker out uh, on on uh, what was, I guess, eventually like an icing uh, type of situation. Jeez, I mean, that was just such a just such a uh, cluster, you know what, of, of just terrible, terrible officiating and terrible just sort of game management, being able to keep control of the game. I don't understand the nine thousand dollar penalty. I mean, that is, that is literally a drop in the bucket for a guy like Richard Sherman. So if it goes against a, a, a you know a big name kicker, a guy like Stephen Goskowski. Uh, I think the NFL probably has to react a little bit harsher, um, but do, do, it's a question of do they, will they do that, and uh, are they able to kind of keep it, keep it fair and balanced to the point where it doesn't just take a star getting injured for the rules to be enforced correctly. John, fair and balanced. You use two terms that I live and die by every day of my life, particularly, and, and uh, I, I don't see it in the NFL. It's starting to look a little bit like WWE or the NBA, which is just a notch below in terms of the refereeing that goes on there sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think there's a real concern across the sports landscape, particularly when uh, we have all these new technologies. I mean, in tennis, for years, how many years have they been checking the baselines for balls, whether they're in or they're out, you got challenges. 
And I mean, I like the human element, but it's been exposed too many times, and we have technologies now that can take care of this. I think we're going to see it. Absolutely. And uh, it might be high time. Uh, further, uh, maybe linked to that, uh, TV ratings are down, John. Uh, I have my thoughts there, too. The NFL has to be concerned. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts on that matter? I think a lot of people have been trying to make excuses for the NFL this season, especially with the ratings coming down. They're like, oh, you know, this is just a thing where it's an election year and uh, the Cubs made the World Series, this and that. I think it belies the point that the NFL has been uh, tone deaf to what they've been putting on the national television stage. I think the matchups for the most part have been terrible. Uh, luckily, you know, this week we, we finally, it feels like we get a good one in Seattle versus New England. I think we're going to start to see some better national TV matchups for the most part. But a lot of them, it's just, you know, we talk around, talk about it in the office. You can watch a Sunday night game or you can watch a Thursday night game and so on. And usually it's, it's met with a groan. It just feels like the product on the field hasn't been particularly exciting to watch for the most part. And I think the matchups, especially on, those, on the national stage, like I've been saying, have been really, really lackluster. So I think that the NFL uh, needs to kind of listen to the people a little bit and, and understand that, you know, we want to see good games on national TV. That's, that's the point of those games. And, and further to, the, to those comments, which are all valid, John, uh, I'm going to add pacing is an issue. And, and as a Canadian sure. football fan, I can speak to this exceptionally well because on the Canadian side of the border, our games uh, feature plays every 25 seconds. There's a 40-second play clock in the NFL, and the last two minutes, if a team is leading, it just has oh people gosh, heading yeah. to the exit. So I think pacing of the game is an issue. We live in a fast-paced world, and the NFL is... Uh, not quite keeping up with that pace, and I think that's something that might need to be addressed at some point sooner rather than later from my, from my perspective. And maybe taking a look north of the border and see how we do things here might offer a solution. I might not suggest 25 seconds, how about 30? That's still ample time when you consider how many times you see the, the quarterback break the huddle, stand over the line of scrimmage for 15 seconds saying, oh, somebody get that guy, or somebody get this guy, or let's change this play. You know what? I would rather watch the play in motion rather than hear the guy barking Omaha or Idaho or any other state in the Union. Maybe if they throw in some Canadian provinces, that might be fun too. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a better call than, than, go, than looking at the college because they, they talk about pace in college a lot, but gosh, uh, you know, a game like the, the Texas A&M versus Tennessee game from about a month ago now, that took like five hours. Yeah, yeah. So college doesn't necessarily have it figured out either. Yeah, you can watch paint dry in that time, so I don't know. You can. <laughs> uh, John, let's, let's uh, continue. As we said in the opening, we're going to finish our weekly show cycle with a look at the best kicker values on the board. Let's break this down by tiers and look at the four guys over 5,000 in value. we got Guskowski, Matt Bryant, Gano, and Hop, Dustin Hopkins of Washington. Are you on any of these guys in any of your lineups this weekend? Uh, you know, I, I feel kind of dirty saying this because I think both of us are a little bit on the same page as far as the Patriots are concerned, but uh, I really like Steven Goskowski this week, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but I think he's going to have a, a have a nice game this week. Uh, Matt Bryant going against Philadelphia. Philadelphia can, can be a little bit tough in the red zone, so I could see a few of those Falcons drive stalling out. Uh, I think he'll have some chances there for sure, although you, you'd prefer Bryant to be kicking in the, in the Georgia Dome. Still, I mean, he's, he's about as strong-legged as you're going to find. He should be all right. 
Um, I think it's just interesting that we see four uh, 5,000 or, or more expensive uh, kickers this week. I, I feel like we usually maybe see one or two. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, think, I, I don't understand why there's so many at the high end. I guess in the Seattle-New England game, they're thinking uh, Seattle's defense might stall uh, the uh, Pats offense more often than some of the other teams, accounting for him going to the top of the table. He's only averaging 7.9 points per week. Whereas Matt Bryant, right behind him, is averaging 11 points per week. Atlanta is a high-octane offense. they got a tough nut to crack in the Philadelphia defense, which can sure. rise up and have a big game from time to time. Then Gano with Carolina. This is a team that the defense is starting to rise to the, to the occasion. In the last couple of weeks, they've been monsters. Uh, maybe the best defense overall in the last two weeks. And uh, Kansas City's offense, well, they've got quarterbacks that are, that are mistake-prone, I think. And uh, so that could lead to some big points in Carolina. Some short fields. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, Washington and Minnesota. This is one that I don't understand really why Washington's kicker is so high up on the board. Um, <laughs> Especially when he, you know, the la- my last memory of him is blowing a field goal in overtime out in London. <laughs> yeah. So I might definitely avoid Hopkins in that bunch. Let's take okay. it down to from 4,900 to, say, about 4,600, John. And just pick away at a couple of the, the guys that you like in this range, if you please. A guy like Dan Bailey is always, uh, you know, relatively reliable. Uh, going against Pittsburgh, you know, kind of the same reasoning uh, that I used earlier with Matt Bryant. That, that Steelers defense uh, can stiffen a little bit when, when you get close to the red zone. Uh, so I think that Bailey should be able to, to uh, have a decent game, although I always hate using kickers in Heinz Field. You know, you, you have the open end of the stadium factor. Uh, the turf always seems to be chewed up as if, like, five high school games have been played on that field before the, the NFL team even gets to take the field. So, uh, you know, I actually might might avoid a guy like Dan Bailey this week. Uh, but Kyra Santos, on the other hand, uh, he, plays, he plays for a team that is the epitome of a stall-out type of offense. And especially against a team like Carolina, uh, I could see Cairo Santos seeing a ton of opportunities uh, for field goals this week. So I really like him out of this mid-tier. Uh, Nick Folk's another guy that I would consider. Uh, Josh Lambeau as well. And then Brandon McMahon is getting a kick in the dome against New Orleans. Uh, I think that, that he also presents, uh, you know, uh, a decent, you know, play at the kicker position for, for not too much, only a 4,700. I love the calls that you made in this range, John. They all are appealing more to me than the, than the top end of the board that we talked about initially. I will uh, highlight Josh Lambeau a little bit later. He's my kicker on today's board. But I'm curious to know, who do you like on the big board today in terms of the kickers that are out there? You know, I'm, I am going to go with Goskowski. I know he's 5,100, so he's the most expensive, and uh, he usually is when, when the Patriots are in action and on the slate. Um, but I think that he's a guy that, that's so automatic, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to really think of a reason to go against him. And he's, he's going to be at home playing for a Patriots team that's coming off a bye. Um, I think that Seattle's defense should be able to at least uh, slow down the, the Patriots' offense to an extent, probably better than any team. Uh, we've seen the Patriots face this season. This is going to be the toughest test for the Patriots offense all year. So I think that uh, this is a scenario where we're going to see Goskowski get, you know, four or five field goal attempts. And, uh, it, you know, if he is given that sort of opportunity, then I like big points out of him. And I think he, he uh, is able to uh, justify that 5,100 price tag. I don't like him. Fair enough. <laughs> Josh, I, I like the pick. I just don't like anything about this team. So I'll move on to my choice. Josh Lambeau, I teased that earlier. San Diego Chargers versus Miami at 4700 bucks. The Chargers operate with a diverse offense. 
that has a bit of that Canadian football feel. They get to the ball and they get it in play quicker than most teams. They're equally successful on the ground as they are in the air, and that means I expect them to move the ball into scoring position repeatedly, particularly against the defense that is not well supported by its own offense more often than not, though the Dolphins' ground game has uh, really surprised most recently with Ajayi having a couple of oh, great yeah. weeks in a row. But I think Lambo will get his chair of kicks on Sunday, and I'm happy to be on him in this matchup. Let's take a moment, John. We have two reads to do regarding FanDuel this week. I'll let you have the first one. Indeed, Paul. Uh, actually, in fact, we have a special announcement for, from FanDuel regarding basketball. FanDuel would like to promote a special basketball uh, promotion they're running right now up until November the 17th. Don't miss this free fantasy basketball contest on FanDuel. You can win a trip to Brooklyn where you and a friend will be sitting courtside with Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall, the man, to watch Golden State take on Brooklyn. Uh, travel and airfare are included, so go to FanDuel.com slash wire to play now. That sounds like an amazing time, and I'm certain that i got to tell some friends of mine to get in on this, so maybe I can sneak in with them as a guest. <laughs> right on. <laughs> in addition, we'll remind fantasy football fans, have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans, new contests starting every week, no busted seasons, just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 deal where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for as low as a dollar. There's choices for every budget. And we want to talk about our own experience, particularly this week, John. This is going to be extra fun for you and I. Uh, I know you've bolstered your squad in the staff, Vegas League, and your friend, uh, free agent funds have been spent wisely. For my part, I'll keep riding the arm of a few uh, of my quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, and the legs of Melvin Gordon, the two stars of my club, along with a rejuvenated Jimmy Graham, among others. Let's go through our complete lineups and talk about who we're going to lean on in this week's matchups, John. Well, uh- uh, as far as our Vegas matchup is concerned, uh, I think I'm going to be able to present double trouble for you as a Cowboys fan um, because I have I have the Roethlisberger Antonio Brown combo. So when they combine to you know when Brown is able to get 120 yards and two touchdowns out of Roethlisberger's 300 yards and four touchdowns, uh, that that's not only going to hurt you in your heart, but it's going to hurt you in our Vegas league as well. So I really like my chances this week. Listen to McKechnie, bring it. Holy cow, I love it. You know it, man. I love it. Well, I've got a three-headed monster at the running back position that I think is the best in the league. LeGarrette Blunt for the Pats. He's going to get red zone touches uh, near the goal line. And what can you, you say? you got two that? Patriots on your team, and you just keep bemoaning them. I, I, mm. <laughs> They're the only t- guys that I like. Edelman is the other guy in the receiver set. Uh, he, he's going to get a lot of work. At least no Tom pass. Brady. Yeah, not Tom Brady. My quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, looks better and better now that Packers don't have a running game, so he's got to be the guy that gallops down the field as well as throws the ball for 300 yards. I expect a big game from him every week in that regard. And I also have my my eyes set on Dez. Uh, You were on him last week. I'm going to be on him this week uh, twice. Later on in the show, I'll talk about him as one of the receivers I really like. And I think against a soft Pittsburgh secondary, he could have a big day. Larry Fitzgerald is a guy I got to keep an eye on because I'm not sure how healthy he is. Right. I think I think he will go, but uh, I want to be b- very sure about that. And then Jimmy Graham, what can you say about this guy that hasn't been said? I'll have more to say myself later on in the episode. And uh, 
The cards defense is one that I, I, I have a coin flip between that and another one that I've been, I've been holding out at two defenses for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I'll put the Cardinals in there. I think this is one of the best units in the league and uh, take my chances. So I like my roster top to bottom, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun time uh, exchanging messages with you this weekend. Oh, it's going to be great. And I have a couple uh, kind of sleepers on my roster as well that I recently have picked up. Uh, CJ Fedorowicz, uh, the Houston tight end, he's been extremely impressive. I think this is his second or third year out of Iowa. Uh, he's starting to really come on as a, as a security blanket for a guy like Brock Osweiler, who certainly needs one. So I think that definitely helps me a little bit. And uh, I just picked up a guy, Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's going to be a little bit of a lottery ticket if he's able to continue this, but he's a guy that runs a sub 4-3-40, uh, so he's a, he's a threat to break for a touchdown anytime he gets the ball in his hands. So I'm hoping for a big play out and he's sort of my one risky play this week uh, in that Vegas league. John, get, don't get too high over this, okay? The fall is going to be precipitous for you. Uh, I'm going to invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. John and I will talk about our own championship uh, oh, through the weekend, but that's what's going on uh, at FanDuel. Uh, we'll see who gets the last laugh, my friend. This tilt has implications in the standings in our leagues, as both of us have winning records so far, but regardless of the outcome, I think we could clash again in the playoff round, maybe even for all the marbles, and wouldn't that be cool? We're having, oh, yeah. we're having lots of fun in FanDuel, obviously, and you could too. Have fun with all that fantasy football has to offer. FanDuel be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time to get through the rest of our FanDuel lineups. Your quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go with Philip Rivers this week. He's checking in at 8,100, so he's, you know, uh, he's a guy that you're definitely paying up for, but I think... Uh, in this situation, he's worth it. I know that uh, once you open FanDuel and you're, you're looking about uh, rostering a guy, uh, you see that, that Miami is eighth against the pass. So that might uh, result in some fading of Phillip Rivers this week. But I think Phillip Rivers is about as, ex- uh, about as consistent as you're going to find, especially if you're, if you're going to be playing in a cash game this week. I definitely like Philip Rivers here. He's, he's had 15 or more points in three straight weeks. I, I think his three-interception game against uh, Denver is a complete aberration. I think that's something uh, that Denver can do to, to almost anybody, especially at home. So I'm not worried so much about this this Miami secondary that uh, it might have that, that gaudy, you know, number eight pass defense, but I don't think they've really faced a very good quarterback uh, in, a, in a little while. So I think that Rivers uh, is a completely different animal. I think he's going to be able to have a lot of success on Sunday yeah, at home. I, I like that call a lot, but I went for a guy who, again, can run as well as throw the ball, and that's Marcus Mariota of Tennessee versus Green Bay, another suspect secondary facing him this week at $7,400. I think that's one of the better values among all quarterbacks this week. Gives me flexibility elsewhere in the roster. But I like to highlight also, over the last five weeks, this guy's tossed 13 TD passes against only five interceptions. It's his best streak as a pro. And last week, Mariota topped 300 yards through the air as well. He's also proven to be very mobile, rushing for better than a six yards per, uh, per carry and has two TDs on the ground, John, already this season. I've already highlighted my belief that the Packers' defense isn't that good. I don't see any reason to shy away from them with this pick, particularly factoring the confidence that Mariota must be playing with right now after that five-game streak. Yes. Your running backs, John. 
Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, starting out here, I'm going to go Devontae Freeman, uh, checking in at 7,000. A little bit of a similar uh, logic that I'm using with the Rivers thing, where, where you see that Philadelphia is good against the run, so you figure uh, that's going to scare some people off. I think that's that's a situation where we're going to have low ownership percentage, but we're not sure if Tevin Coleman's going to be uh, ready to roll yet. So if Freeman uh, is going out there as the unquestioned number one back, I think we both know that he can do damage both as a pass catcher, especially in a, in a half-point PPR type of format uh, like FanDuel offers. Uh, I think he's going to be able to get five, six catches out of the backfield in addition to, to you know, knocking up close to 100 yards on the ground. So I think he's going to be able to, to hit value here, and I think he's a guy uh, that you can use that is, it, it's a stud that differentiates you a little bit just based on the fact uh, that people might be fading him a little bit. Uh, and then my second running back here is Lamar Miller. Uh, I always love a running back coming off a bye. I think Lamar Miller was a little bit banged up coming into the bye week, a little bit of a shoulder issue. Uh, that should be fine. And going against Jacksonville, I mean, you, you can't really go wrong, in my opinion, uh, either using receivers or running backs against that Jaguars unit uh, that, that's just beat up and uh, it seems like that they are uh, seemingly actively quitting on their coach at this point, and I, I think that uh, the Texans are going to uh, deliver a nail, another nail in the in the coffin of Gus Bradley. Boy, that Jacksonville team, a year in, year out, disappointed, isn't it? Something. I'm going to pick up on the comment you made about Freeman. I love to get running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield, and both of the the guys I'm picking today do that in spades. Melvin Gordon, I'm on this guy again. Why wouldn't you be with the Chargers at Miami for 8300 bucks? I'll pick him because he's got the huge role that he's carved out for himself in this offense. He's been a consistently productive force. In fact, improving his rushing totals with at least 20 carries over each of the last four weeks, in addition to at least four receptions in each of the last three weeks. He should be able to exploit the Dolphins with similar productivity. I expect a huge game out of him this weekend. And, and a guy that I compared him to when I hired him last week was Matt Forty, who was really good for me in the last couple of years in the, uh, the, the Vegas League when he was with Chicago. Had a similar profile. Well, guess what? At $7,100, I'm on him this week because in a comparative sense, when speaking of Gordon's role in San Diego, that's exactly what Matt Forte's carved out once again with the Jets. It seems he's reached his Chicago level of impact in this offense in stringing together three straight very productive games. I say he has a great chance to stay in that groove with this favorable matchup against L.A. given his consistency on the ground and his involvement in the passing game. John, what about your wide receivers? Uh, I'm going to start out with Antonio Brown. Yeah, I know uh, <laughs> You know, he's a guy that uh, it felt like he got kind of got locked down a little bit last week, but he was still able to go for 85 yards and a touchdown. It just didn't really feel like it, it was happening in your standard Antonio Brown fashion. And I think that part of that has to do with the fact that Roethlisberger was off. I think Roethlisberger kind of knocked, knocked the rust off to an extent. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty tough matchup this week going against a, a red-hot Cowboys team. Uh, but do I think that a guy like Morris Claiborne that, that is having a resurgent season, so, sort of uh, almost living up to the hype that, that uh, came up, came with, with him uh, as a draft pick, uh, I still think that Antonio Brown is a matchup nightmare for pretty much anybody. So he's a lock to see double-digit targets. Uh, and I imagine that he's going he's gonna to see close to double-digit receptions. I think he's, he's incredibly tough to keep out of the end zone. Uh, so I think he's going to find that. Uh, so I'm going to roll with Antonio Brown, pay up a little bit uh, here. Uh, then I'm going to go down to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I know that the, this Houston passing game is about as frustrating as it gets. And when you have a talent 
uh, that's that's as unbelievable as DeAndre Hopkins. I think it, it adds to that frustration. And I know that the Jaguars have have been pretty decent against the the pass. They're, they're ranked six on FanDuel, uh, but I, I think Hopkins is a guy that that just really can't be stopped. If if Osweiler is able to just kind of put the ball in his area, and I think that that his price is down to seventy four hundred. Uh, that's an area where where you're not you're not feeling like you're paying out the nose to get him. And then uh, my my third pick here is going to be J.J. Nelson of of the uh, of the Arizona Cardinals. Sorry. Um, He's a guy that, that's just unbelievably fast, and he's coming off a game where he had 12 targets and he had seven targets in the game before that. You don't need a ton of targets for a guy like J.J. Nelson, though. If he can get the ball in his hands, uh, he's a guy that, that's able to just burn. He's, he's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. And it, with, with a guy like John Brown, uh, who's, who's equally uh, kind of a burner, and you mentioned that Larry Fitzgerald is a little bit banged up in his own right, even coming off the bye, uh, I think we could be seeing a situation where Nelson is a featured part of this of this Cardinals passing attack, and I think that uh, with that at 5600, he's sort of like my one of my favorite GPP considerations at the receiver position this week. John, I like all those picks, and the one that I fear is at the top of your list because I think you you can also mention that Brown will be facing a depleted Cowboys secondary. They're missing two of their starters. I'm going to have my hard hat on. I think that, that it's going to come down real hard in that matchup, and I just hope that it's not the difference maker in our in our head-to-head battle. I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> it might be, though. I know it could be. Uh, a guy that really shone last week for me, uh, I got a chance to look at the Tennessee Titans. I uh, stuck with this game most of last week, in fact, and Richard Matthews had a huge game, and uh, he parlayed a season-high 10 targets into six catches and two TD grabs in a shootout loss to San Diego last week. He has seen his role increase steadily, particularly notable in his red zone productivity with five TDs in the last five games. He faces an undermanned and relatively ineffective Packers secondary this week. I like his chances to duplicate that for $5,800. I think that's one of the better values among the receivers. And then pairing with him, I'm going to go spend a little bit more picking up a couple of guys in the $7,500 range. Demarius Thomas of the Broncos is at New Orleans. We've slagged this defense all year long. Why stop now? The Broncos... (laughs) Uh, go to the, go to their prime, premier wide receiver and get, he gets a great matchup against that weak secondary at a time when his chemistry with rookie quarterback Simeon is peaking, I think. He's been targeted no fewer than 10 times in each of his last four games and should see at least that many pass attempts come his way in this. It looks like an easy game for the Denver offense, I'll say. Then finally, I'm going to go with Des Bryant. I don't normally like to pick him because I think he gets a lot of uh, attention by opposing defenses. But I love the fact that he faces a pretty weak Pittsburgh secondary. You don't often get to say that, I don't think, John. Uh, He was only targeted four times in that walkover over the Browns uh, last week. I don't think they wanted to use him up. They they figured, get him him well-rested for what figures to be a much busier and more bitterly contested battle. Uh, I'm not overly concerned or impressed by the Steelers' defense at all. And Shouldn't as be. I said, and I really, I really think he should see a much more in the way of targets and will come up large on this big stage. Hopefully, he's my guy that offsets uh, your Antonio Brown pick <laughs> on a couple of levels. You're a tight end, my friend. Before I get into my tight end, uh, I would like to comment that I like the Richard Matthews pick, especially in concert with your Marcus Mariota pick. I think that could be an interesting uh, stack situation this week. And I think uh, Demarius Thomas, you know, he plays in Denver passing offense that isn't uh, particularly explosive. That definitely isn't what comes to mind. But uh, getting a piece of that receiving core in New Orleans is always a good idea. I, in my opinion. So I think that Demarius Thomas might be a guy that's uh, a little bit low-owned, 
uh, that, that could see, you know, like you said, double digit targets, really like the trajectory that, uh, that that's going on, especially with, with Simeon, uh, hopefully trying to get better every single week. So I think those are a couple of interesting receiver calls there. Um, I'm going to go with CJ Fedorowicz as far as my tight end is concerned. Uh, I know that that's three Texans now and two of them in the passing game. A little bit terrifying. So uh, if, you're, if you're listening out here, uh, I think that, that Fedorowicz, like I said, is a very solid option. But if you don't, if you are, are sweating at the idea of using more than one uh, Texans pass catcher, I think Zach Ertz checks in at a really nice price this week at 4,600. Coming off a game where he caught all eight of his targets for 97 yards. Uh, can't really go wrong there. And obviously nothing about the Giants defense, especially in the secondary, is particularly uh, daunting. So I think that Ertz is a really nice value play at tight end. And Fedorowicz uh, he's a nice play in both season long and daily here. Listen to Johnny McKeck's giving you extra picks at the time. Playing the riff. Oh, my God. He's on fire. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. I tease it up the top. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at New England for 6600 bucks. I saw a stat that says the Pats haven't given up a, tight end, a TD to a tight end since week number two this season. Well, after watching this guy perform last week with a pair of circus catches for TDs and another before hurdling over a defender, I'm here to tell you that they haven't seen anybody with the talent that this guy possesses. And right now, Jimmy Graham's at the top of his game. And he's regained his status, in my opinion, as the, the key component of this offense and will threaten the Patriots repeatedly on Sunday. And I'm going to be loving that. Right on. Then your defense, John. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, going against the Jets, I know that uh, it, it's generally not super advisable to use a West Coast team that's traveling East. Uh, but I think the Jets' offense is about as inept as you're going to get. And it's, so is the Rams, honestly, but that doesn't mean that their defense isn't great. Uh, they're checking in at just 4,600, so that's really uh, a, a pretty average price for, for a team or for a unit uh, as good as the Rams, especially when Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little bit banged up. They might be. Are they going to start Bryce Petty? Do we know? Uh, I haven't heard anything. Uh, so I mean that they're. I mean we seriously might be seeing the Rams getting to, getting to feast on Bryce Petty on Sunday. I think that that. Uh, equates to at least two interceptions. Uh, that's putting it uh, with a modest expectation there. So I think that the Rams defense is great, and I think that the Jets offense is terrible. So I'm going to absolutely put them in my lineup at 4,600. And that's a great bit of flexibility for the rest of your roster, obviously, too, John. It's an interesting pick. I'm going to go with one that's not a shocker. Carolina Panthers versus KC at $5,000. This Panthers defense, as I said, has been on fire in the last two weeks, compiling 12 sacks, three turnovers, and a defensive TD to boot, finally looking like the unit that was the best in the business last season. I expect that this will, they will pin their ears back this week and put lots of pressure on the Kansas City quarterback, and that could add up to another big game effort in FanDuel play for the Panthers defense. John, I, I want to tip my hat to you and Mario Puig for the DFS pod that you do for the college football games. Why don't you give it a bit of a plug yourself right now? All right. Well, well, this week uh, we broke down a lot of season-long stuff because uh, a lot of formats are hitting the playoff portion of their seasons uh, in college, and we have some some injuries across the board that are pretty concerning. Obviously, Lamar Jackson left last week's game, but I, I think that was more of a precaution than anything. He had a bit of a sore arm. But uh, if you're a seri- if you are uh, owning a piece of that Syracuse offense that runs a ton of plays. Eric Dungy took a huge hit last week, left the game against Clemson. Obviously, you saw what Syracuse, what happened to Syracuse's offense after that. Zero points. Uh, so that's definitely a concern. That's something where if you have an Amba Edetalo type guy, uh, you're definitely concerned. 
Uh, and then the biggest matchup this weekend that Mario and I broke down, uh, very excited for this game, a lot of playoff implications, is, is the Washington hosting uh, Southern Cal. Southern Cal uh, has been on fire since they turned into redshirt freshman Sam Darnold. Uh, his granddad was the Marlboro man. I don't know if that <laughs> essentially makes him a great player. Actually, I do know that. It, it absolutely makes him a great player. Um, so, uh, so he's coming up to Washington. It just doesn't seem like any any one moment is too big for him. His first star was on the road against Utah, and he was able to really give them a test at the time they were undefeated. Uh, so I think that USC is going to be able to give Washington uh, more than their money's worth. I think that, that Washington might be on upset watch, especially, you know, they're probably pounding their chest now that they're number four in the playoff rankings. So uh, Mario and I definitely broke those down, and we gave you uh, a bevy of good uh uh, season-long options as well. You know what? You just heard, listeners, it's a taste of what you get on this show. It's one of the best in the industry. Uh, I'm in love with it. I, I think these Appreciate guys do that. a great job, and you got to search high and low to find anything that even com- comes close to comparing. Wonderful <laughs> job by you and Mario on this. Two of my favorite Appreciate guys that. on Wire as well. Your play of the day, John, in this line. I think I like Hopkins. I'm just so, I'm absolutely sold on the talent. I'm just such a huge Hopkins guy, and I think that coming off a of bye, hopefully uh, the Texans' offense and offensive coordinator, their brain trust, sort of rejiggered things a little bit to where uh, Hopkins is a guy where he's more featured. They're doing more things to scheme him open. I think that that. They can test those things out on a Jaguars defense that is uh, pretty terrible across the board here. So I think that we're going to see a high volume, high usage game for, for Hopkins. I think he's going to convert that into really nice production. And I think that people uh, tend to be a little bit scared off of using him right now just because of how Brock Osweiler has been underperforming. So I think this is the perfect week to snatch him up at a, at a mid-tier price. Uh, in a GPP type of format. I think Hopkins is my guy. And I'm going to counter with Melvin Gordon, who has become my guy. Uh, I took him on a flyer at the draft in the Vegas League, and then I've talked about him a couple of weeks in a row here now in, the, in this podcast. I love what this guy brings to the table week in, week out. He's starting to get the ball more, and he's becoming more productive in the running game, and he is productive in the passing game already, scoring among the leaders in terms of touchdowns. How can you not like this guy? And he gets a great matchup this week. So I'm all over Gordon on this one. John, I feel like I've been playing with house money before we sign off. I know you brought it today, and you're excited about our tilt on the weekend, but you know what? I go into this up one nothing over you. The worst-case scenario, I come out of it tied, so I am feeling good. I'm playing with house money, and uh, you better watch out if you're going down. Just, just, just get ready for the trash talk that's coming your way next Friday. That's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, you owe me for sure. We'll have some fun <laughs> with it. So there you have it for John McKechnie, who you can follow at Johnny McKex. I'm Paul Bruno, reminding you to follow me at Statsman22. We wish you good luck with your FanDuel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge on the competition. So long, everybody.